ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday. Miss Judy, please take your meds today or I will make sure your phone rings during the Price is Right Showcase showdown every single morning. We know how you don't like that. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call in. Join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottom line Lex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottom line Lex. On today's show, yet another cavalcade of stars will be joining us. First up, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will stop by. He'll talk Major League Baseball, especially the dumpster fire that is becoming the National League Central, NFL Draft. And his insight for a big night in the UFC, his picks on this show for UFC is uh, red hot. So uh, if you want to make some, cash some tickets, that's a guy to listen to. And then later on, our old friend Keith Farmer, the lead sports anchor over at WLEX 18 Action News and the host of the BBN Tonight Show. He will join us to talk all things Big Blue Nation. And of course, he will anchor the LEX 18 wall-to-wall, gavel-to-gavel coverage of the Kentucky Derby next weekend. So we'll ask him who he likes in that one. And, of course, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first, self-awareness. We say it on this show on the, all the time. We say it in real life. It's very important in life to be self-aware. Know who you are. Know who you're not. Play to your strengths. And don't try to be somebody you're not. Seems simple, but sometimes it can be a lot more difficult than you think. All kinds of things like ego, pride, money, power, fame, all kinds of keeping up with the Joneses mentalities. All kinds of things can get in the way. Terrence Clark passed away this week, and it's terrible. He's a 19-year-old kid. No 19-year-old kid deserves to and not be with us any longer. And we were critical of him on this show. You know, why did he only play seven regular season games? How did he mysteriously recover right before the SEC tournament began? And why is he going pro after such a, an underachieving season? Some many thought here at Kentucky. And all those questions we raised on this show earlier this year, they all seem silly now. And if you also look in the Big Blue Nation right now, everybody's going crazy over women's volleyball. All of a sudden, the women's volleyball team in Kentucky is playing for the national championship. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's a volleyball fan now. Well, I guess that's what happens when your men's basketball team doesn't make the tournament. You've got to start, you got to find something. Heck, I even got uh, emails a few weeks ago when the rifle team won the national championship, and I didn't talk about it. What did you talk about it? They won the national championship at rifle or, you know, riflemen's, or I, I don't know what they're even called. The rifle team. Yeah, well, I don't follow them. And we have one rule on this show. If I can't pick the next game out in the desert, I'm probably not going to talk about it. So God bless Terrence Clark and his family. I didn't cover the team. 
and God bless the women's volleyball team playing for a national championship tonight. That's where our good friend Keith Farber is coming on later in the show. He'll be able to tell you about those guys. He'll be able to tell you about that team. He'll be able to tell you about Terrence Clark. We'll ask him a few questions about that. But somebody like me, I didn't cover this team. I watched them on television just like you did. I'm trying to pick the games. And, of course, I can't pick women's volleyball. What do I know about them? Unless Gabby Reese is on this team. Google it, kids. I don't know anything about women's volleyball. So that's why we have people, intelligent people, coming up later in the show that actually watch these teams this year, that actually covers these teams. We'll ask Keith Farmer about those later on in the show. Us trying to comment on Terrence Clark and us trying to comment on women's volleyball, it's just disingenuous. So we'll leave it to the people who are the experts. And that's the bottom line on that. But on a brighter note, if there is such a thing as a brighter note, if you're coming off something like that, well, it's not that bright because we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Enough silliness. The actionable information. Reds and Cardinals last night from St. Louis. The Reds lost game one of this series 5-4 to four last night. Sonny Gray, the alleged ace of the Reds, didn't look too good, giving up five earned runs in three and two-thirds innings. And now has an ERA of 7.88 on the season. So if you're a Reds fan, your two aces, using that term very loosely right now, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, they both have an ERA over six right now. It's not very good. And the Reds are now on a five-game losing streak. Last Sunday morning, they were printing playoff tickets in Cincinnati. Today, they're already planning the Reds' caravan for next offseason. That's kind of the way it looks right now. Hey, Eugenio Suarez, 0 for 5 last night with four strikeouts. Now hitting 157 on the season. That's your number three or number four hitter every night, depending on how David Bell feels that day, apparently. I'm not sure why Bell has absolutely have to put a lefty-righty alternating throughout his the top, top two-thirds of his lineup, but I digress. The biggest issue the Reds have had this week during this big losing streak and it's something that we've been preaching on this show since March. It would be the biggest issue for this team. And that's their bullpen. Amir Garrett, who had one career save going into this season, apparently named himself the closer this spring. And David Bell just said, eh, we're going to go with it. Based on what? I don't know. Before this season, Garrett had one career save and an ERA career of 4.98. Well, this season, Garrett has two saves, but an ERA of 13.50, and that's after pitching a clean inning last night. Oh, but that's okay. We've got other guys. We've got this Lucas Sims guy. He's good. He can just step right in. Can he? Sims has a save on the season, but his ERA is 6.43. Hey, we got. what about this other guy, Sean Doolittle, 34 years old, 111 career saves. They just signed him right before spring training when everybody else passed on him. Well, he's sitting with a 4.70 ERA. So it's not like there's plenty of good options in this bullpen to turn to if one guy doesn't have it one night. This team is 29th out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA, trailing only the lowly Detroit Tigers. And in this day and age, where starting pitchers simply don't go seven innings anymore, You have to have a good bullpen to compete. And the Reds simply don't have one. 
other than a guy who came into the season thinking he was the closer and really wasn't. Again, not being self-aware. Know who you are, know who you're not. Amir Garrett is not a closer in this league, although he thinks he is. Game two of this series, Reds versus Cardinals, 145 this afternoon here on ESPN Radio, 1392.5. Wade Miley will pitch for the Reds versus John Gant in this afternoon's rematch. Cincinnati uh, hands the ball to Miley again for the fourth time this year. And John Gant, not to be confused with former Brave and Red Ron Gant, a personal favorite from our days in Atlanta at Lulu's Bait Shack. That's another story for another day. The line in this game opened at a pick Both sides uh, listed at one o- minus 105. Sharps pounced on the cards at home, driving St. Louis up from minus 105 to minus 120 in this one. The cards have some value as a team coming off a win, and they're getting a lot of steam. This line has moved 15 cents in their favor. When that happens on the season, a steam move of 15 cents or more. Those teams that are favored are 28 and 21 on the season. That's 57%. Cardinals are also a favorite with a low total, eight. Apparently the weather is going to be an issue today. Forecast calls for mid-50s, some rain and wind blowing in from the outfield. So looking to take the under. And you also want to take favorites when you have low totals because it's more likely to come from the better team, the runs will in those. Wade Miley for the Reds. He's been the second-best pitcher for the Reds this season. But that's not saying a whole lot at this point. Miley 2-1 with a 2.25 ERA. This is his second season with the Reds. It seems like he started more than seven games, but that's all he started. Seven games. The Reds are 3-4 and four in Miley's seven career starts. Last August, Miley was a plus 100, even money pick out in the desert in a game at St. Louis. And he lost that game 3 to nothing. Today, Miley's a small dog again. Sounds familiar. In his career, though, if you total all his seasons outside of the Reds as well, Miley's not bad as an underdog on the road. He's 43 and 47 with an 8.7% return on investment out in the desert. That's good, but keep in mind that was when he was pitching on better teams like Arizona a decade ago in Houston in 2019. John Gant for the Cardinals. He has burned a lot of tickets out in the desert during his time in St. Louis. In 24 games, Gant has started for the Cardinals. His teams have gone 9-15, and 15, and those have been some good Cardinals teams. So if you've blindly put a dollar on Gant every time he pitches in those games, you'd be down $6.18. Return of investment, minus 25.8%. PU. But Gant hasn't been a bad pitcher overall. He's been a better pitcher than average each of the last four seasons with an ERA+. plus of over 100 every year since 2017. And in his three starts this year, Gant has an ERA of 3.21. His combined ERA the last four seasons, 3.47, ERA plus 117. So Gant's peripheral numbers are good. They're not great, but they're good, despite the fact the cards don't perform well in his starts. St. Louis about a minus 120 as we speak right now. That's a fair line for both sides. Cardinals used the entire back end of their bullpen last night, from closer Reyes to everybody down the line. And the Reds used Garrett only. Sims and Doolittle arrested for what it's worth. So that's an advantage for the Reds that they didn't use their entire back end of the bullpen. That's not saying much based on the current status of the Reds' bullpen. Insert joke here. Usual Reds killer Yadier Molina will probably get a day off today with a game 
day game after a night game from last night. If the Reds get over plus 120 in this one, which they probably will at some point before game time, we might go with the Reds having some value in this one with Wade Miley. Otherwise, it's a game where I don't trust the Reds' bullpen at anything close to even money. Because Wade Miley has pitched very well this season, but he only averages 5.1 innings per start. That means the bullpen has to get 11 outs. Uh Uh-huh. Good luck with that in a close game. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Tether, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Let's get to our Mac Daddy Stogie picks for the day. The most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. What better way to celebrate cashing a ticket out in the desert than by lighting up a big old Mac Daddy Stogie? So head on down to Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and light up that Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends when you get your picks here on the bottom line. As they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. Speaking of uh, picks out in the desert, the state of Florida announced yesterday they are voting on passing sports betting May the 17th. And if they pass it, they will be the 28th state to have sports gambling, and Kentucky still won't pass it. They won't even bring it up for a vote. Ridiculous, if I may say so myself. Anyway, the last two weeks on this show, we've given out seven out of ten winners in our Major League Baseball picks. Keep in mind, we're taking a lot of underdogs in those picks. I mean, anybody can pick Jacob deGrom as a minus 300 favorite, but we're taking mostly underdogs. Bang for your buck. And don't forget, tomorrow we're going to talk about our NFL draft props going into next week's draft. We'll have Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship to talk about the draft and draft props uh, for next week. But there's a reason why. The desert doesn't like putting these draft props up. It's because they don't win on these draft props. That's why they hate them so much. I was listening to one sports book director this week, and he was talking about how they hate it because they lose money on the draft. It's not like handicapping a football game. Draft props are just like information. It's not handicapping. It's apple, apples and oranges. So when the desert doesn't like taking your action on something, you should be looking to take advantage of it, and we will be on the NFL draft props tomorrow. But today we like two Major League Baseball games. First, Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Twins beat uh, Pittsburgh last night as a hun- minus 150 home favorites. Today, another seemingly mismatch. The Pi- Pirates trot out Trevor Cahill with a 9.69 ERA. That's nice. And the Twins start one of their aces, Michael Pineda, pine tar or not, with a 1 ERA. Minnesota, a huge minus 190 favorite in this one. Pros have already been on Minnesota in this one. This line has already jumped up a little bit. We'll take the Twins huge today. Pirates are the worst team in baseball. Chalk pusher alert. Take Minnesota, but we're going to tell you to parlay them with the next game up on the list. The Yankees at Cleveland. About an even. Yankees a small favorite in this one. Probably a minus 115 as we speak. Yankees have already taken the first two in this series. Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Shane Bieber for the Indians. Two of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. This line opened a virtual pick Money has come down on the Yankees so far. They started 5-10. and 10. All of a sudden, 3-1 are their last four. Sharps and the wise guys on the Yankees right now. Very low total, 6.5 in this one. That's when you like to take the favorites. And then when you do that this season, it's 57%. Anytime you take a favorite with a total lower than 7, and today it's 6.5. We'll look at the Yankees this, uh, in this one. Both these teams are going to play to the under. Both teams have made you money playing the under this season. 
But the Yankees look like the spot today. Shane Bieber may not be as good as Garrett Cole in this one. We'll take Garrett Cole on the road as a small favorite. So here's your two-team parlay of the day. They tell you not to parlay teams against the spread. But money line's a different story. We'll take the big favorite, Minnesota. Parlay them with the small favorite, the Yankees. Those are your two Mac Daddies. Stogie picks of the day. But coming up after the break, our good friend Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast. He'll stop by. We'll talk Major League Baseball, NFL Draft, and, of course, his Red Hot UFC picks. That's all after the break right here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. That brings us to our next guest. He is the host of the Sports Stove Podcast, and he's our good friend. He is Vince Stover. Vince, how are you doing morning, this morning, buddy? I am doing excellent this morning. Thanks for having me on again. Now, I know you're a big women's volleyball fan. Tell me all you know about UK women's <laughs> volleyball playing for a national championship tonight, Vince Stover. Man, I, I heard I heard they're in the national championship. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> no, Gabby Reese, that's all I got when it comes to women's volleyball. Anyway. Now, I know you're a huge uh, Kentucky basketball fan. That's why I'm kind of uh, shunning this Terrence Clark talk to uh, the, the guys who are going to be on this show today who actually you know follow this team and cover this team. Your thoughts on Terrence Clark and what his loss might mean to this program going forward? Well, you know, what it means to the program, I think this is a, a, a sad and, and tragic as it is. It brings people together. Um, you know, you hate – I mean, you, you hate to see it. 19 years old. He just signed with Clutch Sports the day before the accident. Um, he was going to be drafted. A lot of high hopes for him in the NBA. I mean, you're seeing Boston Red Sox. They had a, a tribute for him last night during the game. He's from the Boston area. Um, a lot of NBA players already knew him. Uh, so, you know, that's that's – I mean, you just hate to see it. Uh, that being said, as, as rough as I've been on John Calipari this year – him and his coaching staff, this is where they really shine. The relationships that they've built with their players, um, you know, it just comes out in, in tragic situations like this, and they do a great job. You saw uh, last night Keon Brooks, Devion Mintz both speaking at, at a little um, visual form as well, and, and uh, this is the kind of thing that, that might get someone like Keon Brooks and Devion Mintz to reconsider coming back to Kentucky next year as both of them reported that they were going to be uh, leaving the program, you know, it, you just never know. Um, that's not really what you want to think about a whole lot at this, at this point in time with the passing of Terrence Clark. Just prayers out to his family, his friends, coaching, coaches, teammates, all that kind of stuff. It, man, just what a what a horrible thing to happen, especially in the height of UK athletics right now with the volleyball team and everybody jumping on. It just kind of brings all the attention back down to reality when something like this happens. Yeah, very well said. Uh, let's segue into the NFL draft if we can here. I know you're a big draft, Nick, and, uh, you know, it's one of the, the – our friends out in the desert, they don't like posting the odds for these. They don't like posting props because the people do pretty well in these, you know, because it's not handicapping games as much as it is just following social media for the most part. Last week, uh, we had Mac Jones was no longer the favorite to go third to the Niners. Justin Fields was. Now this week, those tables have flipped, so to speak. Mac Jones is now the favorite. Do you still see Mac Jones going three to San Francisco, or do you still think there's something up for San Francisco the third pick? Oh, I've never thought Mac Jones was going three. Um, as soon as that trade happened to get San Francisco up to three, it made no sense for them to go up for Mac Jones. 
Uh, makes more sense for him to go Fields or Lance at three. I, I've got my mock draft coming out on Tuesday, and I still don't know who I'm picking at number three for San Francisco. But I think I think Fields or Lance makes the most sense there. Um, Mac Jones, I think, will be the fifth quarterback taken in the first round. So, you know, I don't know. I think maybe they're just trying to get some some money on that one. I'm looking at the Falcons at number four, and everybody's talking about, well, Matt Ryan is 36 years old, but he's still got it, and he does. He's still putting up good numbers. More and more of these mocks now have Trey Lance or even Justin Fields, if he falls, going to the Falcons at number four. Your thoughts on this one, because our friends in the desert now are kind of saying it might be a quarterback in this one. Well, it depends on who goes three because Atlanta's a prime prime team to trade down if a team like Denver wants to come up to number four uh, for for the quarterback that falls. Um, I don't think they're going quarterback at four. The reason being you've got a new coach and a new general manager, and they kind of need to win immediately. And the best way to do that is just to add you know premier talent to your team. And in the first round at pick four, you know the argument is is when's the next time they're going to be picking up that high in the draft again? So if you got a you know a franchise quarterback available, do you take them? But I think I think with Arthur Smith there, the new head coach and the new general manager, I think they're going to go talent. I still lean towards Kyle Pitts at this spot, but um, I think trade down is a is a big option for Atlanta at four. One of my favorite props that I have is Kyle Pitts going under five and a half. In other words, he's either going fourth or fifth in the draft. If the Bengals are sitting there at five and Kyle Pitts is there and Jamar Chase is there, do they go Pitts or do they go uh, with Burrow's former college teammate, Jamar Chase? Uh, Pitts over Chase you think at so? that spot. Yeah. You know, all the information right now that's coming out, though, is leaning towards Cincinnati actually going back to what everyone thought they should do from the get go, and that was going with an offensive lineman at five. And I was a little surprised by that, but uh, that's where everything's leaning right now for Cincinnati. But if Pitts gets past number four, that's a hard one to pass up for Cincinnati, I'd say. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Pitts lasts beyond five. Uh, if he goes to Atlanta, I, that's, I, that's okay, but I, I don't think Cincinnati passes him up, even though it might send a message to Joe Burrow over who's running things right now, because you know Joe Burrow wants his old receiver. So, yeah, but uh, the Sewell, the offensive lineman, that, that probably is your better pick if you're a Bengals fan, wouldn't you think? I don't think so. I think Pitts and Chase is a better pick for Cincinnati at five um, and then go for offensive line later in the draft just because I think the talent level there is so much higher. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got a couple receivers that are up there with Chase, but, but once you get past those first three receivers, the two guys from Alabama – and, and Chase, it, it, it's not that they're bad receivers. They're just not that premier receiver. Um, so I think you have a better chance of getting decent offensive linemen in the second, third round uh, than you do getting an impact you know, pass catcher like Pitts or Chase there at number five. Najee Harris, first running back drafted. He's about a m- minus 150 out in the desert right now. I like that one. Do you think that's a good one uh, to put your investment in? Uh, no, I think uh, I've been calling for Williams, the North Carolina running back, to go first. Um, although ETN's had some some rising things right now, I think Najee Harris. Honestly, it depends on the team <laughs> because you got teams like Pittsburgh and Seattle down there that need running backs, and they might need a different style of running back than what Najee Harris offers. Um, so it, that one's up in the air for sure. But uh, I I would put Najee Harris as maybe the second running back coming off the board. 
Yeah, there's some value right there. He's plus 600 to be the first running back drafted out in the desert. So that's that's a good 6-1 to one pick that Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast is giving you here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. Let's say Mac Jones does not go to the 49ers at number 3. How far does he fall? Because it doesn't look like any of these teams after the Niners are going to even invest in him until it gets to maybe a double-digit pick. Uh, I think he goes in the 12 to 15 range. Um, everyone says New England would take him at 15, which means uh, Washington or Chicago, good chance they would trade up to get him in that 12 to 13, 14 range um, if if he doesn't fall all the way to 15 to New England. I think New England's been playing their cards great. Everyone's saying they're going to trade up. They just they don't trade up. It's not what they do. And uh, so I think they're playing it so that another team will give up picks and move up the board to get Jones, and then that'll leave better options for New England at 15. So I say he goes between 12 and 15, somewhere in that range. What's your one big, you know, shot caller type prediction for this draft, Vistover? Man, there's <laughs> it's an intriguing draft for yeah. sure. Um, my my big thing I think that I have going on right now is the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, uh, Liam Eichenberg. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to jump up. He's going to go in the the twenty range in the mid twenties. Um, but I have him going ahead of some of the other guys that are ranked above him on most people's boards. So I think he jumps up. But you're going to see an interesting run uh, on defensive players in the middle of the first round. Not a whole lot of defensive players going to go early um, until the cornerbacks start coming off the board around 11 or so. Yeah, that's a number of offensive players going in the first round over 17.5. That's one that I've been looking at for a lot. But, yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting draft this week. Make sure to check out Vince Stover's podcast. Uh, he's going to talk all NFL draft. But right now he's going to give you his UFC picks. you got 60 seconds, buddy. Go. All right, what a great card. UFC 261 sold out Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Kamara Usman, Jorge Masvidal. That one's easy to pick. Usman at minus 400. Maybe no value, but he's the winner there. Two other uh, championship belts on the line, Zhang Wiley versus Thug Rose, Nama Yunus. Um, I have a hard time picking against the champs, so we're going to go with Wei Lee there. Uh, Valentino Shevchenko at minus 470. No value, but she's winning that fight as well. The fight to watch, Uriah Hall versus Chris, Chris Weidman, uh, plus 115 for Uriah Hall, minus 135 for Weidman. I'm going Uriah Hall with a slight dog there as my pick. Otherwise, it's pretty much all chalk uh, on the UFC card tonight. He's Vince Stover. He's been giving you some really good picks in the UFC the last few weeks on this show that he's done it. Uh, Vince, thanks so much. Tell us where we can find you on uh, social media and your podcast. At Sports Stove on Twitter. The podcast this week will be live Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for the Mock Draft Spectacular. So make sure you find (laughs) us on Twitter at Sports Stove or uh, on Facebook, the Sports Stove Podcast. Wait a minute, where did you get this spectacular? I know exactly where you got this. I, I seem to remember somebody <laughs> else having a bracketology spectacular a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm calling you out on that one. You totally copied me. He's Vince Stover. He's our good friend. Vince, thanks for joining us this morning, buddy. Thanks, Brad. All right, bud. That's Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast. We thank you for joining us. Coming up after the break, it's Keith Farmer of WLEX 18. And Big B Ed tonight, he'll be talking about the Derby and all things Kentucky sports. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And our next guest needs no introduction. 
To any sports fan here in the Lexington area, he is the lead sports anchor of the LEX 18 Action News. He is the host of the BBN tonight. And next weekend, he will be anchoring the LEX 18 wall-to-wall, gavel-to-gavel coverage of the Kentucky Derby. And in a recent poll, he was voted the second most favorite member of the Lexington sports media from his own high school graduating class. He's our friend from way back when, Keith Farmer. Keith, my old friend, how you doing today, sir? <laughs> well, the day was going well. Yeah, exactly. Hey, this is the show for cheap shots, and you've come right in at the right time. Hey, we want, we got, wanted to get you on to talk about Terrence Clark, and I'm, I've been pawning this off on people because I don't know what to say because I didn't know the kid. I didn't cover the team. You did. Terrence mm-hmm. Clark, the loss of this, what does it do? I and mean, we know what it, it's a terrible thing. But what does it do to this program, maybe from that perspective, going forward? Well, you know, he came in and really only played the seven games right. um, before he had the injury and then tried to play the one at the end and then, you know, decided to take off for the NBA. So in some aspects, the guys that are here, I don't know how much that's going because he was going to be away from the program anyway. Um, I, I just think it, you know, probably affects them mentally, and and maybe it just, um, you know, shows them that life is precious, and that uh, you know they need to do what they can to take advantage of every moment that they have, uh, be it school or athletics or whatever it is, friendships uh, and, and such. Uh, I mean, they came together for a candlelight vigil last night and had the chance to to talk to you know some of the fans that were there about. Uh, their memories of Terrence, um, you know, I, I can tell you, you know, being it, that it was in a pandemic time, we didn't get to talk to these guys like we normally would. It was mainly over Zoom, but I had the chance to talk to him a couple of times, and, and um, you know, he's, he was just such a a fun-loving guy. I mean, you know, we we talked about uh, in our department how much you're going to, you know, miss his smile. I mean, he was, you'd see him smiling all the time off the court. He just loved to have fun. And then on the court, occasionally you would see it come out when he was, you know, made a good move or a good pass or whatever and scored. And, uh, so you'd see that come out. So, um, you know, it's, it's so sad to hear it happen to uh, such a young kid. Yeah, it's uh, very well said. And it's, it's hard to segue out of that and talk about the real world here. But uh, mm-hmm. apparently everybody at Lexington now has women's volleyball fever. And uh, I, all I've got is Gabby Reese when it comes to women's volleyball. So that's about as far as I go. Give me really quick, because we have a motto on this show, if we can't pick the next game out in the desert, we don't follow it, we don't talk about it. But I know everybody here is talking about women's volleyball. Give me 30 seconds on women's volleyball, and they're going to win tonight the national championship or not. Keith Farmer. Got the national coach of the year, the national player of the year in Madison Lilly. Um, they've just, uh, I'll tell you what they've done. There was one point in the season they had 38 straight sets that they won. Uh, that means three nothing matches every night out, just sweeping teams. And then they were on about an 18 0 run all the way from their last loss until, uh, the other night against Washington. They lost one set. So, I mean, they are just steamrolling people right now. Uh, yeah, obviously it's going to be a little more difficult, uh, you know, when you go up against a team like Texas. They're, really, really tall along the front line. So uh, I think Kentucky can get it done because I think they have been doing it all year. Uh, But we'll see if they can handle the size. 
Wait, isn't every volleyball team tall at this point? What do you mean they're very tall? Of course they're they tall. Are, but I'm, they are, but then there's Texas tall. Well, there, there, there you go. Well, there you go. Take that one to the desert. Are, yes or no, do they win Kentucky? Do they win this tonight? Yes. Of course you'll I, say I yes. Yeah, you know, I, anybody. No, I, I, no yeah. I, I, I do because I just think that this has been a team that has adapted to a lot of situations. And not only that, I'm not sure that Texas did this at all, but Kentucky played that fall season, took the break, and then came back and played a, you know, a spring season, which they never do because it always ends in the fall. So they've really adapted to a lot of situations. They've, they have the number one ranked recruiting class in the country, and they're contributing. They're not just uh, you know uh, sitting on the bench. They're coming in and playing. Now, see, that's expert insight you don't get anywhere else regarding women's <laughs> volleyball. Here on the bottom line, actionable sports information out in the desert. Keith Farmer said go out there and take uh, Kentucky Volleyball big tonight. Let's get to some real actionable information. We've got horse racing next weekend, and you're going to be hosting both the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby next weekend up in Louisville. Is it going to be any different this year? I mean, the percentage of people, do you foresee it a little bit differently in terms of just like fans in the stands kind of aspect? Yeah, you know, last year it was only the uh, connections to the the horses, which was last year being September, right, which was weird. Um, But, yeah, it was was really eerie and strange to be sitting right next to the paddock and not have, like, you know, seven, eight people deep looking at the horses trying to figure out who they're going to bet on. And and it was just occasional people would walk by, you know, and and it was like being out there on a a, a typical – spring meet or or a fall meet maybe you know when there's no derby action going on and you've got just a handful of people out there watching a little bit of uh horse racing so it was really really strange i think it's going to be you know quite not not quite full but i think we're going to see uh you know a a lot more people walking around you're going to see uh more of that spirit of of the kentucky derby and everybody dressed up and all that so i think it's gonna be a lot more fun this year what's the percentage they're going to have up there percentage yeah you know i've had some other people ask me that and i wanted to say it was 50, but I, I could be wrong on that. I need to, uh, to double-check that because I am getting asked that quite a bit. Yeah, well, if clowns like me are asking that question, I can promise you there's a lot more clowns out there just trying to figure out what's going on. In fa- as far as action now, we're trying to get some actionable information. Keith yeah. Farmer, who claims that he had all the winners a couple years ago at the Derby but couldn't get any action on them because he was on television. Oh, yeah, yeah the, 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 the terrible first, like, excuse. What? I know, I know. I was sad strapped to the, the mic and the you know earpiece and all that. And uh-huh. They're yeah. calling on me every couple of seconds. And, yeah, I picked out the first four, and then all of a sudden I, I went cold after that. Luckily I, luckily, I couldn't bet on any of them. So, you know, I didn't win and lose. Well, you got phones. There's no excuse. You've got a phone. You can do it. Just sitting right, <laughs> while you're on TV, you can do it. Just show that the people. True. Yeah, exactly. I need winners. I, we're trying to, I need some tickets cashed, Farmer. And I'm not in yeah. big into this. Uh, you're big into this horse racing stuff. I'm kind of like a fringe person listening to experts using that very term very loosely when it comes to you. So I need winners for this derby. Who do you like going forward next Saturday? Run for the roses. Please use that very lightly because I am no expert here. Uh, well, I'm trying to help uh, you. I know this, but I'm just trying to help you to the public out there that's listening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Anything for uh, you, buddy? No. Yes. I do think this is a top-heavy year, which, you know, um, I mean, 20 horses, that always kind of probably is. You don't see somebody down there near that bottom 20 that you're, you're expecting to break through. Uh, we have had some long shots, but everybody's talking about essential quality. Um, I've seen a couple others that I like. Uh, one of the strange ones is Known Agenda, because uh, you know, Todd Fletcher, 
he didn't like what he was seeing from his horse. And so, yeah, after the Sam F. Davis, he finished fifth. He put him in an allowance race. Then he won that, and then he enters him in the Florida Derby, and he comes back and wins that. Um, so I kind of like what I'm seeing out of, of him. I also like what I'm seeing out of Superstock with the finish that he had in the Arkansas Derby because he was flat getting it down the stretch. And I just really thought that, you know, the way he ran down the competition, the way that he galloped out there, I thought he looked like kind of, you know, one of those horses that, that could be one to beat. Who are the Baffert horses? That's the ones I always look at. Who are the Baffert horses in this one? Yeah, so Baffert only has uh, the one horse. Is it Medina Spirit? I'm sitting here blanking out on it. But I think it, that that's who he has. Um, I'm trying to find it real quick for you. But, yeah, uh, Baffert does have that chance, though, right? To, to Anytime he's got one in there, uh, Medina Spirit is the name of it. Um, came in second in the Santa Anita Derby. And I think you're right. Anytime he's got one in there, you've got to expect um, there's a chance. He, had, he thought about putting a second one in there. Uh, but decided not to. So this is his only focus is on this one and, and trying to win a, a seventh Kentucky Derby. Got most all time. Well, you danced around it very well, Farmer. You you mentioned a lot of names. You gave me a lot of stuff, but you didn't say who's going to win. I need winners. This is the bottom line. This isn't just the no. uh, pomp and circumstance. This is the bottom line. We gotta, we're got we trying to cash tickets here. I need a winner. No. Okay, um, let me give you your trifecta. Uh, now we're this? talking. Now we're talking, Keith Farmer. There you go. Um, so I certainly wouldn't put sainthood in yours, um, but I'd probably put hidden stash. Great little story of a, a group that has come through and, uh, you know, now this is your long shot. Okay. This is your long shot, hidden stash. Um, great little group that's come through. Um, they just wanted to get into horse racing and all of a sudden, uh, mainly they trained fillies and then all of a sudden they had this one colt and boom, he's in the derby and they're just like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> so you got one there. Hidden. Um, hidden stash. Hidden yeah. stash. I'm looking at something yeah. right now. It says forty to one on the future line. Yeah, oh, that's what I said. It's going to be your long shot. Well, there it's you go. Be your long shot. That's what we for like. Your, that's what we like. Yeah. Going out on a limb, Keith Farmer. He's been. Uh, he's got a proven history, somewhat proven. He claims he had the winners, but he couldn't get any action on him. So uh, was it proven? Yeah, I don't know. But yes, hidden stash forty <laughs> to one right now to uh, that's at one least. Of yours. One of them. Oh, we got two more then. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm giving you your trifecta, right? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I apologize. Keep going. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, then we're going to give you um, Superstock, which I mentioned, finished really strong in, in the Arkansas Derby. Uh, Steve Asmus and the trainer there, and I think he, he's going to get it done. And then uh, just for you, um, you know, I know you always have that known agenda, and so uh, known agenda, the, the Florida Derby winner. Again, no, again, Farmer, the cheap shots. You need to watch those when you get on this show. But uh, known agenda, 12 to 1, and super stock, super stock, 10 to 1 right now in the futures. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at two, uh, three double-digit uh, odds to uh, yeah. put, put in your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. Highly motivated, super stock, known agenda. There you go. Now, now, uh, Hidden uh, those stash. Are odds Hidden the stash. Desert? Those, Those are from are the desert right now. Hidden stash is forty okay. to one. Super stock ten okay. to one. Known agenda twelve to one. So yeah, there all you right. go, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's good info. I mean, anybody can sit here and pick all the favorites that you know hit one, two, three. Now, what we're looking for something that's worth our while. Keith Farmer is giving us that kind of information. Money. Yeah. So right. yeah. yeah, when uh, when that race is over, we can uh, cash our tickets and go out and have a good time that night because Keith Farmer is giving us the winners. That's what we're looking for here on the bottom line. 
Anything else? Do you know anything about the Oaks, maybe? You can give, give us a little Oaks uh, inside info before we hit that one. No, I really haven't uh, gone headfirst into the Oaks yet. Um, I've been solely this last week preparing for Derby, and then uh, this next week's when I'm going to dive into the Oaks. So I really don't. I can't give you anything solid there. I, I apologize. That's all right. But you gave us a good trifecta there. We know you covered, uh, moving on from the Derby for a minute, we know you covered Kentucky football this spring. And I know that mm-hmm. you're uh, uh, big into them, and I know you're going to talk about them all summer long on BBN tonight. Who's the quarterback this fall? That's all I care about right now. Mm. I think right now I would lean towards Bo Allen being the quarterback. Um, you know, just from some of the things I'm hearing. You know, I, mean, I don't think they've picked anybody yet. But then you got to wait until the fall because you got Will Levis, who's transferring in from Penn State, and. You know, sounds like, you know, he's got a little bit of experience. He's also got a big arm, and so we'll see what happens when that competition gets going then because, you know, as of now, I mean, even Nick Scalzo has evidently looked pretty good here in the spring. So you're talking about three quarterbacks right now that sound like they're somewhat in the mix, and then you're going to bring in Will Levis in the fall, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a a four-man battle. Looking at their schedule, Kentucky football for this fall, if I said – seven wins, and said over or under seven, what would you say? Um, I'm going to go over on this right now. Going over, okay. Yeah. Why is that? I, you know, in talking to the coaches, and, and that includes Coach Stoops, you don't usually get a lot of excitement. He brings things in. And so when he shows a little bit of excitement like he did in the spring about what he's seen from his team, then I think that gives me, you know, thoughts that this, that he's happy. He likes what he sees. It's something he hasn't seen and, and that he feels like they can get it done. And this has been a program that has steadily improved. And I know last year was just kind of a strange year, and I know that it was, you know, um, tough being all SEC, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this is a team, a program that people are talking about, and that trickles down to the recruits that are now picking Kentucky and um, what they're doing on the recruiting trail, which won't show up this year. Uh, has, it's just been amazing, and um, and he's got a lot of seniors. There, there are some holes they've got to plug, um, you know, at linebacker and defensive line. Um. And things like that, but you know, there's a lot of excitement about this offense, which nobody's seen yet either. So, if the offense shows up as delivered, and some of the players show up as delivered, then I feel like this team can can get some wins. This team's all about the quarterback right now, and it's been all about the quarterback even since they've you know even since the uh, the Big Ten and three season. It's been all about this yeah. quarterback situation and how they've had it and they haven't had it. So I can't say eight wins or more if I don't know the quarterback situation going in. So that's the only mm-hmm. thing keeping me away from it because so much, sure. especially college football, depends on your college, your quarterback. But Keith Farmer says eight or more wins for the Cats this year, and he also <laughs> gave us a great uh, uh, trifecta for the Derby, hidden stash, super stock, and known agenda. Uh, caught a couple of cheap shots in there about uh, me with those, but that's okay. We're just trying to cash tickets. Keith Farmer, host of the BBN tonight. Uh, yeah, I should have. I know you got a new co-host on that show. Very upset. Uh, you might hear from my HR department uh, on that one that I was not considered for your co-host on that show. Very upset at that. Uh, I thought it was a crime that I never 
got an answer to my hundreds of uh, uh, submissions of my resume for that. Tell us about the BBN tonight, your show, and tell us about where we can find you next week for the Derby. So BBN tonight, and, and you were considered, by the way. Uh, BBN tonight <laughs> is on. Stop lying uh, to the Monday, people, Farmer. Come on. <laughs> Monday through Friday, and uh, you can see it on LEX 18, uh, 7.30. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been great to be a part of, uh, you know, UK Athletics getting some information out there as what they've been doing, and it's just a really cool all catch-all one spot. If you're a UK fan, that's where you need to go. Uh, Anna Terulo and I um, have that every night. And then on Saturdays, you got BBN Game Day, which just aired, and uh, that's with Christy Thomas. And then me and Anna just kind of rotate in and out with her on BBN Game Day. Now, that one is kind of statewide, and so you can see those all over the place. You'll need to go to BBN Game Day, uh, bbntonight.com, to find out where you can uh, listen to all those, watch all those, um, you know, throughout the state. And his Derby coverage next weekend, don't forget LEX 18 will be your gavel-to-gavel coverage for the Oaks and the Derby next weekend. Keith Farmer, thank you so much for joining us here on the bottom line. We appreciate it. You've you've been a good friend for a very long time. And anytime uh, you take time out for us when you don't have to, and we always appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Uh, Anytime. Anytime for you. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. That's Keith Farmer. Of the LEX 18 Action News. He is as good as it gets. If you're a fan of Kentucky sports in any way, shape, or form, you might want to check out his show, BBN Tonight, and make sure to check him out on the uh, the Derby next weekend on LEX 18. When we come back, we'll preview the day on ESPN Radio right here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you again for joining us on this Saturday morning. We want to thank our guests, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast and our good friend uh, Keith Farmer of WLEX 18. Uh, They were great, and uh, we're always grateful to have uh, good guys with them, good times with them. Don't forget today, 145 here on ESPN Radio, Reds and Cards from St. Louis. Cardinals minus 120 favorite right now. Reds might have some value today, but do you trust that bullpen late? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Uh, The lineups just came out for this game. Uh, Sinzel's out. Uh, Naquin's in center. Senzel is out today. That's good if you ask me. Senzel's number is terrible. It's, t- it's time to give up on Nick Senzel. I'm sorry. It just is. Look at his numbers. You'll see. Tonight at 8 on ESPN Radio, Lakers and Mavericks from Dallas. Dallas a two-point favorite in this one. Eh, Lakers might be a play here tonight. Road dog off an ACS loss. Eh, don't say we didn't tell you. Don't forget tomorrow here on ESPN Radio, 1392.5. Early tea time. Matthew Lawrence at Backspin Golf at 8 a.m. Followed by us at 9 o'clock, the bottom line, and then the Angelo Show at 10. Angelo is our resident NFL draft expert here at ESPN Radio. He'll have his NFL draft special tomorrow. We'll uh, see if we can get him to uh, come in with us the last segment and talk about some of these props out in the desert. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, So you can email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. So until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.